We're in week seven of this series on what's on your mind. And we've been talking throughout the summer about how to deal with how you feel. I went over last week, I went over all the, the things that we've covered. I'm not going to do that again this week. Um, go back and listen to the other six. They're all online. You can um, check those out. But we've been talking about how to deal with how you're feeling. What's on your mind? Because um, sometimes what we feel, what's happening, um, takes us to a place we don't want to be. And the truth is we can change that because it's about what we think. And we can change the way we think. Um, remember last week we talked about choosing to be resilient. Um, this week we're going to talk about choosing. This is one of my, I, I love talking about this I, because it's, it's one of my big three things that, that God is working on in my life. And that's generosity. And we're going to be talking about choosing generosity when you feel stingy. Now, for those of you who think that we're going to talk about money today, relax, relax. When I'm talking about generosity, the picture is, it's, it's way bigger than that. It's way more than that. But this message has evolved throughout the week such that it even changed last night at 9.30 while I was here setting some things up. Because here's what I wanted to talk about, three things. I wanted to talk about time, talent, and treasure. Because that's what we all have. We all have time. And some of you say, I really don't have any time. You have the same amount of time I do. 168 hours. I should have wrote that down. My math is not always quick. I think it's 168 hours a week. Um, I know some weeks it feels like you have way less. But we all have the same amount of hours. We all have the same amount of time. And actually the most valuable thing you have is your time. Because once you give it away, you don't get it back. It's, a, it's gone. We want to talk about talent because we all have things that God has given us. We all have things that we can do because we are all created and shaped uniquely. We want to be generous with God with our time when we feel stingy. We want to be generous with our talent when we feel stingy. We want to be generous with our treasure when we feel stingy. And so I had started working on this. I had a, a few really key passages for each one of those things. And I started with one of my the favorite stories that Jesus tells. He tells this parable in order to teach what the kingdom's going to be like. And as he's talking about the fact that Jesus, he's, he's going to return someday. We don't know when, but he's going to come back. And in the context of talking about that, he says, here's what the return's going to be like. Here's what the kingdom's going to be like. And he tells this story. And the story is, is made to teach them to be ready and what it's about. And you've probably heard of it. It's, it. it's called the parable of the talents. And the reason it's called the parable of the talents is because in the older translation, the word that's used is the word talent. And it really doesn't necessarily mean the things that you're good at. Because a talent was simply a weight and if it said a talent, it usually meant that many pounds of this precious metal. Gold usually, but it could have been silver as well. But the interesting thing is the reason we think of talent when we think of this is from this. That's where we get the word. That's where this comes from. So here's what happened. I started looking at one of the three things we were going to talk about today, and it got way too much. I was having so much fun. But what I realized is this story, is it's talking about money and treasure it's talking about way more than that it's a way bigger picture so we're going to cover the whole thing in this one story today and here's how i'm going to do it i'm just going to this will not be up on the screen um, we'll look at these verses throughout it but i just want to i just want you to listen as i read the story in its entirety 
so that you get the big picture, and then we'll jump in and look at some of the principles. It's Matthew 25. Jesus um, is, like I said, he's telling some stories about his return. He's telling some stories about what the kingdom is like, and he just gets finished with one. And then in verse 14, he says again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Remember, he's talking about his return one day that we're looking forward to. He says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So it's a rich man, probably a noble of some kind and had a lot of money. And he's going to go away. He calls his servants and he entrusts his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, another two talents. And that's where we get the title, the parable of the talents. Because the talent, remember, is a weight of money. But we're going to look at it in a way bigger picture today because I think that's what it's talking about. So to one he gave five talents of money, another two talents, another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. I want him working on my money. Okay? So also the one with the two talents gained two more, doubled their money. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, verse 19, the, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And the master replied exactly the same as he did to the first. Even though the master only got two more talents back, the guy had doubled his money, he exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And by the way, the few things was probably not a few things. This was a very large chunk of gold. It was a lot of money, more than these guys would usually have in, 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 some of them in their lifetime, but many of them in at least a couple years. That's the money they got to keep, in, to keep track of for the master. So the master says, you've been faithful with these few things, he calls them. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then, verse 24, the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And, and he's handing him back his talent. See, I didn't lose anything. Here it is. His master replies, verse 26, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit in the bank so that when I returned you, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, the master says, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fascinating story. I love, I love this story. Here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to see, we're not going to get into every detail and minutia of the story. Most of Jesus' parables are not designed for that. They're designed to teach something. But there are some details in here that are important. And there are some principles in here that are important for every single one of us here, regardless of our age, our station in life, our background, regardless. There are seven principles for generosity, for generously investing your life. We're not just talking about um, treasure. We're talking about time, talent, and treasure, everything, okay? Seven principles for generously investing your life. There's, uh, as I said, there's an outline in your worship folder. You can follow along. We're going to look at these seven things today. Here's the first one. The first principle is this, ownership, the principle of ownership. Now, many of you are thinking, I own a lot of things. You know, I got a house, got a car, I got this, I got that. Here's the first principle of ownership. Everything I have really belongs to God. It ain't yours. Now, you're thinking it's yours, but it's not. Here's how I know that. We just had, and I can say this because it's official. It's been on Facebook. Um, we have, we have our, our fifth grandkid. Um, Emma was born this past week on the 15th. So exciting. It's just amazing. I absolutely love it. You know what she brought with her when she came? Nothing. She didn't bring anything with her. Do you know what she's taken with her one day when she dies? Nothing. You know what you brought with you? Nothing. You know what you're taking with you? Nothing. It's very easy to think, this is mine. It ain't yours. It's on loan. And I know that because if, you, if I keeled over right now all the stuff I think I own, not mine anymore, was never mine to start with. It's amazing to me how many people spend their lives accumulating things that people they don't like are going to split up after they die. (laughs) Is that really how you want to spend your life doing that? Because the truth is, it's only on loan to you. That's what this parable is teaching us. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's saying, there's a time limit. It's going to expire. Either you're going to expire, Jesus said, or I'm going to come back. Either way, it's all, it's all gone from you. You don't own it. Here's what it said in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted whose property? His property to them. And your notes, you can circle that word his. It ain't yours. It's his. Everything you have is his. If you don't get that first principle... None of the other stuff is going to make sense. We have to understand that what we think is ours is really only on loan to us. I, I heard this story one time. Um, guy had a really nice beach house. Big bay windows, overlooked the ocean. You know, you could see the waves rolling and just beautiful place. He was going away for the, for the summer. And, and he said, would you like, he asked this guy, this is fictional, okay. He asked this guy, would you like to, to kind of watch my beach house? It'd be nice. I, I would be, I'd feel way better if someone was there taking care of things while I was gone. You know, you can feed the fish. You can, you know, water the grass. You can take the dog out. You can do that stuff while I'm gone. And I'll feel good about it. And the guy's thinking, and I'll feel good about it because it's a really nice place, you know. So the guy who owns it leaves. 
And the other guy comes in and he takes care of the fish. He walks the dog. He's able to sit there and look out the window and see the ocean rolling in. And it's amazing. And the guy at the end of the summer finally comes back. He doesn't know when he's coming back, but he finally comes back and he says, okay, I'm really glad you did that. And and the guy who's watching for him says, you know, I've really kind of grown to like this. I don't think I want to leave. I think I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to enjoy my new view. I'm going to enjoy my new stuff. And it's like, no, it's not your stuff. You are just taking care of it for somebody. That's where every single one of us is at. Not in a beach house. I know we'd like to be in a beach house. But you are taking care of stuff that it's real easy to forget that it's not yours. So the first principle is ownership. Everything I have really belongs to God. Here's the second principle for generously investing your life. It's the principle of allocation. Allocation. God has given me some unique talents. And we're going to use that word talents because it's a parable of talents. And, it's, and, and remember, this, is, this is, has to do with everything. It's not money. I mean, money's included in it, but it has to do with everything. God has given me some unique talents. So it's not just you have X number of pounds of gold or silver or you have X number of money in your bank account, or you have this, or you have that. It's about everything. I don't know if you understand this, but when it comes to actual talents, things we can do, they have kind of done all kinds of research on this, and they have discovered that depending on which list you look at, there is between 600 and 800 different talents that people can have. And you may or may not understand or believe this, but each and every one of you have at least... 200 different talents. Now I know what you're thinking. Half of you are thinking, not me, really. And half of you are thinking, 200? I was thinking I had more than 800. (laughs) That's what the other half of you are thinking. See, when we don't recognize that we have that many talents, here's why. Because when it's your talent, you often don't recognize it. Because you do something because it's just, it's how you're wired and you do it. You don't realize that most people can't do that. Because that's the way you're wired. You have these unique talents. Here's what it says in verse 15 of our passage. To one, one of these three servants, one he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. And that's very important. Each one was totally different. He treated them the same way, but each one of them had a different amount. I can, the same is true about every one of us in here. Some of you might really just be a one-talent person. That's not bad. It wasn't bad in this story. You might be a two-talent person. You might be a five-talent person. I don't know. You might be a 20-talent person. Here's what I do know. No one is a no-talent person. No one is a no-talent person. Everybody has been given unique talents by God. When you come to know Jesus, He gives you things that you didn't have before even. He gives you gifts that you didn't even have before, that you could do something that you couldn't do before. But we're also wired with things from the beginning. We've talked about this before. It's our shape. We all have a unique shape, spiritual gift, heart, abilities, personality, experience. We're all unique in that way because God has something for us to do and for us to accomplish. He has a purpose for us. And if you spend your life trying to do mine, you're going to be disappointed. If I spend my life trying to do yours, I'm going to be disappointed because I was made to do what God made me to do. 
You were made to do what God made you to do. He's given you some unique talents. Here's what Romans 12, 6 says. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Circle that word grace. God has given us those things. A talent is something you don't deserve. I know people brag about it, but you can't brag about it because you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. Now, you might develop it, and you should develop it, but it is simply a gift of God's grace. So every single person here needs to realize what I have really belongs to God. Everything is His. You know? When it's like there's a title of a book that it says, when the game is over, it all goes back in the box. It's like your family sitting around, you're playing a game. When you're done, what do you do? You put all the pieces back in the box. That's life. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. It wasn't yours anyhow. That's the first principle. The second one is you have something. You have some unique talents that God has given you. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us through this story. Here's a third principle for generously investing your life. Accountability. And that means God expects me to use my talents. He didn't give it to me for no reason. He expects me to use it. Here's the thing. Um, it's like God made an investment in you. That's what it's like. God considered you a good investment. And it doesn't matter what he gave you at the moment. That's not what we're talking about. The fact is, he invested something in you. He's given you some unique talents. He's given you stuff. He's given you so much because he considers you a good investment. Now, if you made an investment, if you put your money, whether it was your money or your time, talent, treasure, you put it somewhere, here's what you would do. And I know that you would do this. You would put it there and then you would watch. You would want to see what happens to it. You wouldn't just, you know, there it is, it's gone. You would, you would watch and see what happens to it. God does the same thing. He invests in our lives, and then he watches us. Romans 14, 12 says this. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's, uh, uh, at the same time, that's incredibly exciting and incredibly scary. That each of us will give an account of himself to God. Jesus reminds us of that fact in this story in verse 19. He says, after a long time, they didn't know when, just like we don't know when Jesus is coming back or when our time on earth is up. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts. And just because it's taken a long time does not mean it's not going to happen. It's going to be like, you're either going to be here when Jesus comes back or you're going to die first. Those are like, the options. I think it would be cool to be here when Jesus comes back. <laughs> I'm also okay dying before he does because either way, I'm in his presence because I've trusted in him as my savior. So either way is good. Either way gets me to the final exam. This whole life has been a test, but there's a final exam. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get nervous about final exams. You know what makes final exams a little bit easier? Knowing the questions. I had a, uh, I was in a class, um, I think it was a class on Romans, but um, we were in Bible college, so we're learning all the, 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 the Hebrew names for God, and we're learning all this theology stuff, and it was funny because we had just gotten out of a class that talked about a couple of the names of God, and um, 
uh, Professor Emmert is passing around the test for the day. Um, and he's, he's giving it to everybody, and the one kid in, his, in the row, he gets the stack of tests to pass it on, and, and he passes it on, and he looks at his, and his has the answers on it. And so he says, Jehovah Jireh, that means the Lord provides. <laughs> and instantly, Professor Emmert took the test and gave him one without the answers on it. Wouldn't it be nice to, to know at least the questions for the final exam? I'm going to give you the questions for the final exam. If you don't know what these are, you might want to write them down. When you stand before Jesus, when you stand before God, because either Jesus has returned or you've passed away, the first question is this. What did you do with my son Jesus? That's what God is going to ask. And if your answer is, I went to church every Sunday, you're going to hear, wrong answer. Not that you shouldn't go to church. But that's not the answer to the question. When he says, what did you do with my son Jesus? It's why should I let you into heaven? I went to church. That's not the right answer. I was a good person. That's not the right answer. I was was nice to the people around me. Is that good? Yes, but it's not the right answer. The only answer that matters is I believed that God sent Jesus to pay for my sin. I don't understand that all, but I believe I was a sinner, am a sinner. I believe that the penalty for sin is death, and Jesus paid for that. So I'm getting into heaven on his ticket. I'm trusting that what he did on the cross paid for my sin. That's the only answer to that question. What did you do with my son Jesus? Here's the second question, and most people aren't prepared for this. The second question will be this. What did you do with what you were given? It's on your outline to fill in just so that you'll have that. Now you'll know the second question on the final exam. What did you do with what you were given? Because the truth is, everybody, as we just saw, has been given some unique talents. You have been given stuff. You say, I don't have much. If you're in America, um, you you are like... I can't remember the, the salary. I don't want to quote it wrong. I think it was like $40,000. And some of you are thinking, $40,000, that wouldn't make my car payment. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't make that much in three years. If you made that much money, you would be richer than 99% of the planet. So even if you're way below that, you are still like in the top 2% of the planet. And we have been given so much that we are accountable for. We've been given unique talents. We've been given unique stuff. We've been given unique positions. We've been given unique abilities. And we are supposed to use those as an investment, generously investing in the future. So everything I have really belongs to God. God has given me some unique talents. God expects me to use my talents. And here's the fourth principle for generously investing your life. Utilization. It is wrong for me to bury what God gave me. It's wrong for me to bury what God gave me and not use it. Because in verse 16, the first man doubled his talents. In verse 17, the second man doubled his talents. In verse 18, the third man buried his talents. He buried his talents. He took them and he hid them. He was 
cautious. He was conservative about this. Literally, he's saying, I'm going to play this safe. I don't want to risk, you know. Um, he was the nothing ventured, nothing gained kind of guy. He, he sat on it, is what he did. And you remember from the story what the master's reaction to that was. He didn't lose anything, remember. He gave him everything back. The master's reaction was, you wicked, lazy servant. You think maybe he was a little upset with him? <laughs> He looked at the servant. He said, you are wicked. You should have at least put it in a bank and gotten a little interest. Now, most of us, when we think of the word wicked, we think of really bad things, you know, murder and rape and abuse. We think of horrible things like that. But look what God calls wicked in this story. He says it's wicked not to use the talent you were given to make a difference in this world. It's wicked to never make a contribution, to just bury it and put it out of sight and pretend it's not there. Now, there's a couple of insights here. The first is this. You can't please God by playing it safe. To use your talent will take a risk. It was a risk here. The guy didn't want to lose it. And it was a risk. And so he hid it and he buried it. And the, and the truth that Jesus is trying to show us is if you really want to make a difference, if you really want to use your talent, it's going to take a risk. That's why the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Because you have to step out in faith to do that thing that God has called you to do. To take my talent and do nothing with it because I'm afraid to risk it in any way is inexcusable. That's the first insight. The second insight is God would rather have you try to serve Him. Make an attempt at least and fail and fall flat on your face then do nothing at all. Because he calls this servant wicked not because he lost the money. He didn't lose the money. He calls him wicked because he was afraid to do anything at all with the money. And remember the principle here is God has given you stuff, talents, time, talent, treasure. He's given you so much. He wants you to use it. It's wrong to bury it. It's wrong to not use it for his kingdom, to further what he has given you in your sphere of influence to do. Some of you, you look at your life and there's, like, there's, there's not much joy there. there. There's not that spark, you know? There's not the enthusiasm. And you know why? One of the reasons that, happens, um, that that happens to our life is we start to play it safe. We sit on the sidelines of life and become spectators. We come to church and we're spectators. We're afraid to contribute. And we don't use our talents the way God intended. And so we live for ourselves, not really involved in service to others. And so the truth of the matter is we get bored with life because that's not how we were designed to live. So it's time to get back in the game. Those are the first four principles for generously investing your life. At 9.30 here last night, as I was finishing up a few things, I realized that um, I can't keep you another half hour. And, and, and this is way too important to rush through. So that's part A. You've heard part A. There will be a part B. But here's what's going to happen. Next week... 
there's one service at 10.30. It's our baptism service. You don't want to miss that. The week after that, September 1st, we're going to finish this message. It's, you want to be prepared for that final exam, okay? So we're going to finish it. You don't want to miss the finish because that's where it's all going to come together. So between now and then, you need to do some evaluating. You need to do some thinking and realize, okay, the principle of ownership. Whose is it really? And come to grips with it's not yours. It's God's. The principle of allocation. What do you have? Do some evaluating. Yours are not always the easiest things to see because they come naturally to you and you need to realize not everybody can do that. The principle of accountability answers the question. You need to answer the question, what am I doing with it? I've been giving this. Maybe, I, maybe I'm only a one-talent person. That's irrelevant. It's what are you doing with it? The principle of utilization is what are you doing with it? Are you wasting it? Are you burying it? Are you just using it on yourself? Because that's not why you were given it. You were given it to invest. And when you invest, you always get more back when it's a good investment, right? That's what we're going to talk about in two weeks. You don't want to miss that. In two weeks, the, 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 the finale of this. Um, but I want you to be thinking for the next couple weeks about those questions, about those principles. You might even go back to Matthew 25 and read that story a couple times over the next couple weeks. And we're going to finish it in a big way um, the week after next. So let me close in prayer. Father, I want to thank you, first of all, that you've given each of us um, uh, some unique talents you give the, the time, the talent, the treasure we have, the, the shape of the individuals listening to this now. It's, it, they're all unique. And Father, we thank you for this. And my prayer is that we would understand that um, it's all yours. That's all a gift from you. And whatever it is that we have, we need to be using it. We need to be doing something with it and not just wasting it or burying it or using it on ourselves. So as we think through these things, Father, I pray that as we, as we do the conclusion of this in a couple weeks, that we would be open and willing by that time to say, I don't know what you're asking, but my answer is yes. So Father, whatever you're asking of us today, I know there's some that are contemplating taking that next step of baptism. They've claimed you a Savior, but they've not done yet, that yet. And I just pray that they would make that decision to do that next week, to stand for you. So whatever you're asking us to do, Father, I pray that our answer to you would be yes today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. That was just the perfect, the perfect ending to what I said. We got one shot. Got one life to live. Don't wait until the very end and think, oh, I got to quick make my investment. You could spend your life investing. And be ready to answer the questions in the final exam. Remember, next week, plan A here at 1030. And be ready to be fast, fluid, and flexible with all aspects of it. And if we have to go to plan B, plan B will be at the beach. But we're hoping that plan A works here. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for what you've given to us, what you've entrusted to us, and I pray that we might take this one life that you've given us and live it well, invest it well, 
knowing that as this story is teaching us, it is an investment. That we take what you've given because it's yours. You've just entrusted it to us. I ask, Father, that we might um, use the time, the talent, the treasure that you have given us for a bigger purpose than just ourselves. Thank you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.